Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. wonder what you think about this word overthinking. Any of you guys uh, wrestle with thinking a lot? Any of you ever can't stop thinking? Your mind just goes and goes and goes and goes. You think a little bit, then you think a little more, then you think a little more, then you think a little more. Then you add some more thinking to your thinking and add a side dose of thinking to your thinking, and then you ask someone for an opinion, then you Google it, then you go back to thinking, and then you get dessert thinking on top of that, and it's just more thinking, more thinking, more thinking, more thinking, and you're stuck. Have you been there? Not you, right? You never overthink anything. I mean, I think as humans, we can get stuck sort of in a circular way of trying to process and figure things out, and we think and overthink and think too much. On the far end of overthinking is sort of underthinking, right? Are you one of those people? I hate you, underthinkers. <laughs> right? You, you just don't think at all. Like, how freeing is that? You're like, yeah, whatever. We're just rolling, right? You just kind of whimsical, feel free, go with the flow, do your thing. Sometimes you overthinkers can be irrational. And sometimes you underthinkers can be irrational. Sometimes people that are underthinking can be impulsive and just kind of whoop, jump in to a situation that maybe you find yourself going, why did I do that? But being stuck between overthinking and underthinking, you might be one or the other, but if you're in a cycle of underthinking, that can be problematic. And if you're in a cycle of overthinking, that can be problematic as well. Is it possible that maybe sort of somewhere in the middle, we just... Just think. Like, is that maybe the solution? Is instead of uh, overthinking too much, instead of underthinking not enough, maybe we're called to think. And here's what's neat about that. I think sometimes in Christianity and some types of religious circles, sometimes people think the solution to overthinking and underthinking is just believe. Actually, stop thinking, just have faith. Don't use your brain, just trust God. Honestly, that's not the answer. When you follow Jesus, you don't check your brain at the door. He gave us these brains to use. And so we love intellect and logic and science. Followers of Jesus are friends of science because good science and good theology are buddies, right? They're allies together. The answer isn't to stop thinking and start believing, it might be to just think. To use your brain, yes, to think. And maybe, just maybe, the Bible has something to teach us about thinking that can get us unstuck. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 18, love for you to follow along electronically or with a paper copy. Luke chapter 18 is some familiar words from Jesus you may recognize that actually help us get unstuck in our thinking. And we started this sermon series called Unbound because I think a lot of us in a lot of different categories find ourselves sort of stuck, bound up, held back by a number of things. Today we're gonna talk about how we're stuck, uh, bound up in thinking. That our minds sometimes can get in the way of us 
living and actually enjoying life. And Jesus has this unlikely solution for us that we might go, really, this is the answer. But there's ways that we get ourselves stuck, bound up, in trouble, in circles, because we're just unwilling to obey the one who made us. That if we would just obey, if we would listen to what God says and actually put it into practice, we might find ourselves getting unbound, unstuck from the things that we cycle in, right? And so I submit to you today, there's something in what Jesus says to his disciples in Luke chapter 18 that helps if they think through it and we think through it to kind of get us out of a cycle that causes us to be held back and Jesus has life to offer and freedom. So let's pray together. God, you've given us these brains and I'm thankful for my brain. And everybody that's alive has a brain that's firing. And in our midst, there are people that are highly intelligent and there are people that are less intelligent. But to be alive means our brains are firing. You've entrusted us with these brains and you know that we get caught in cycles of overthinking and you know the times that we've been caught underthinking and being impulsive. We get stuck in paralysis by analysis and sometimes we can be irrational and just going with any whim. Somewhere in the middle, God, is something called thinking that allows us to be your sons and daughters, to use these gifts of brains to do good things in this world and find freedom. Would you use your word to help unlock for us what is true and then give us the strength to obey it in Christ's name, amen. Luke chapter 18, at this point in Jesus' ministry, he's become sort of popular throughout his region. He's known as someone who's both powerful and loving. Now, if you know someone in your region that's powerful, people are drawn to powerful people, right? They're magnetized because someone who's powerful can do something for you to help you. You're, you're kind of drawn to them. People are also drawn to loving people. There, there might be someone in your office or school that's super kind and loving, and people are magnetized to loving people. And it's interesting because Jesus is both, right? He's super powerful. He can fix things and change things for people. And he's super loving, gentle, kind, patient, merciful. He's got both things going on inside himself. So wherever Jesus goes, there's like a flash mob of people that are trying to get some power or trying to get some love from Jesus. And this is true in Luke chapter 18. It says people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. Wherever Jesus went, people are bringing babies, children to him. A picture in the strollers, picture the car carriers, right? Think of the helicopter mom and dad, kind of bringing their babies to Jesus because why wouldn't you? What's the downside? If this guy is powerful and he's loving, maybe he'll touch my kid. Maybe he'll bless my kid. Maybe he'll pray for my kid. What's the downside to these parents bringing their children to Jesus, this just makes sense. Now, what's unique in the ancient world is you don't bring your kids to a leader. Like, that just doesn't fly. I, I'm not that old, but my dad, growing up, I heard this all the time. Children should be seen and not heard. I'm not sure that was your experience growing up, but not too long ago, that was the pretty mainstay kind of way that parents thought about kids and culture thought about kids. Like, kids should be seen and not heard. That's been historically the way people have viewed children. 
And the thought is, until a child has something to offer the world, until the return on investment shows up, shut up, kid, right? It's like that's been the historic tradition of people. And now, all of a sudden, people are getting word that this powerful, loving teacher slows down, touches, talks to, cares about kids. And so the mommy clubs and the daddy clubs are bringing the kids like crazy to Jesus, right? They're just coming out of the woodwork. If Oprah Winfrey showed up in town at the PPL Center and on her way into the PPL Center, people were bringing their kids to Oprah to touch them, what would her entourage do? They'd stop them. Like, what are you talking about? This is Oprah, right? So, so you, look at, you look at what's happening here. This is serious. People were bringing babies to Jesus. He's known to be powerful and loving to place their hands on them. And when the disciples, Jesus' entourage, saw this, they rebuked them. Yeah, Jesus isn't Santa. You get to sit on his lap and ask for anything you want. In their minds, children should be seen and not heard. So they're blocking these kids, these parents, from bringing their kids to Jesus. They're blocking them and saying, no, Jesus is too important. Maybe he's too busy. Maybe he's too tired. He's not interacting with your kids. Children should be seen and not heard. And in this moment, watch what loving and powerful Jesus does. Verse 16, but Jesus calls the children to him and says, let the little children come to me. and Do not hinder them. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. If you've heard anything about Jesus, you may have heard this story before. Let the little children come to me. But in that moment, this was radical. This is revolutionary. He doesn't just say, it's okay, let the kids, yeah, I mean, okay, I'll get to kind of deal with the kids hanging on my leg, right? Like, it's not that. He actually says, no, bring them. Like, let's go. Bring the kids, get them close to me. I want them with me. I want them near me, come to me. And here you have this Jesus with an entourage of little ones and strollers and car tops and helicopter parents all around him and he's laughing and he likes it. And he makes this powerful statement, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. It's almost like he points to them and goes, the kingdom of God belongs to these toddlers and the infants and that stinky one with his diaper needs to be changed and the one that's drooling and a snot all over their face. Kingdom of God belongs to all of these children. Belongs. What the heck does the kingdom of God mean? The kingdom of God is anywhere God rules and reigns. The kingdom of God is anywhere that the grace of truth of God rules and reigns. The kingdom of God is going to be this moment in the future where there's no more tears and no more crying, that God dwells side by side with his sons and daughters, and the children of God come near to God, and they're close together. And Jesus is saying, that kingdom, that moment right here is right now. Don't drive the kids away. The kids belong to the kingdom. In a world where children should be seen and not heard, this is revolutionary. If it weren't radical enough, listen to what Jesus says next. He says, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them, for the kingdom belongs to such as these. Verse 17, I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. 
Even though these kids can't contribute anything but a cold, right? Even though these kids can't contribute anything but noise, they can't do anything of value. These kids are loved by Jesus. The kingdom belongs to him. And he says, take it one step further. Anyone who will not receive this kingdom like a child can't enter the kingdom. It's worth slowing down and going, wait, there's an entrance fee to the kingdom of God? Like, how do you get into the kingdom of God? Like, what's the gate? How do you do this? Kingdom of God is anywhere God rules and reigns with his people and he's connected to them. How do you get into this kingdom? What's the entrance fee? Great question. We live today in the kingdom of darkness. We all know this. It's like we know and feel the difficulty, the death, the deception, the shame, the heartache, the pain of living in this world. And we've all contributed to it. We're all sinful. We've all botched it, right? We've all made all kinds of mistakes. And we've caused, humanity has caused the problems that we see around us. And we all intrinsically know it. We know that this world is broken and that we're a part of a kingdom of darkness. We know it because we're always trying to fix it. How do I know I know it? It's because I'm always trying to make it better, right? I'm always trying to make a New Year's resolution because I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna stop cussing. I'm gonna stop eating so much. I'm trying to make myself better because I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I'm broken. I know that I'm struggling and contributing to the problems. So I'm constantly trying to do good things to outweigh my sort of bad things. And I know, you know, intrinsically, that someday I'm going to take my final breath and I'm gonna stand before God and he's gonna say to me, why should I let you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? And I'm gonna say, well, look at my life, God. My good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. Like, I know when I was young, I was a rebel and I did really stupid things, but I grew up, right? Like, you saw me. I, I did better as I got older, right? And when I was old, I was just a perfect old man or an old woman. And I just, I never was cranky towards anybody. Like, you know, like you think you're gonna be able to say to God, sort of my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, and he's gonna say, well, now you're welcome into the kingdom of light and love. But he's gonna go, no, that, that's not the entrance fee. The entrance fee into the kingdom of God is perfection. Are you perfect, Joe, from the day you came onto planet Earth to the day you left? Are you perfect? And I know, you know, there's no way you could say, yeah, I got it right, perfect every day, every moment, my entire life. God's like, well, without perfection, you don't get to come into the kingdom of light and love. And you're like, well, well how does this work? And this is why God sent his one and only son, because Jesus was perfect in all his ways. And he lives and dies, and he pays the penalty that I deserve on the cross, and he buys my ticket into the family. He buys my ticket and gives me entrance into this family of God. Entrance into the kingdom is a gift. It's a gift that's received by faith in Jesus. Jesus pays the bill through his life and death and resurrection and gives it to me and I have a choice. Am I going to receive it by faith? It's why Jesus in verse 17 says, anyone who will not receive this kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. As adults, we're bad at receiving, aren't we? I mean, somebody gives you a gift at work or home. Somebody gives you a gift and you're like, oh no, you shouldn't have. Or you actually are stupid enough to get angry with them. Why did you give me that gift? 
You get an attitude when people give you gifts as adults, right? Or you do the exchange thing, like, well, you know, you get in the car with your wife, they took us out to dinner, they bought us dinner, I guess we gotta buy them dinner, right? Like, it's this gift receiving, like, she bought me a bottle of wine, so I have to buy a more expensive bottle, right? It's, we don't do gift giving very well as adults. We do like exchanging things, don't we? We'll do a gift exchange, because it's this constant like, I'll do this for you, you do this for me but just flat out receiving, accepting something for nothing, it's like, mm, go up to a kid with a lollipop. Are they taking it? Are they thinking about exchanging at all? And they're grabbing that thing from you and stuffing it in their little mouth so fast you don't even know, right? They're not thinking about transaction at all. A child takes the gift and sucks it to death every goodness out of it, right? It's absolutely received with joy. But as adults, heck no. Let's get a transaction going here, right? And so this is where Jesus says, unless you receive the gift of salvation that can't be repaid, never, it can't be repaid. Unless you receive it as a gift, you can't enter the kingdom of God. And it's why he says the kingdom of God belongs to children, to the childlike, because it's a received gift. And we're so quick to overthink this as adults. We're so sophisticated, we're so intelligent that we go, this is too good to be true. Like I have to clean up my act to get into God's family. I have to do something. Anything that free, there's some strings attached, right? And so you're looking for the fine print and the legal work, right? Instead of just going, no, wait, God is handing me entrance to his kingdom. All I have to do is receive it by faith, instead of just receiving it by faith, I'm too sophisticated and smart. Adults overthink everything, and kids just receive and rejoice. Can you remember what it was like to be a child? I mean, use your imagination, remember. I know for some of you that's like 400 years ago, but remember what it was like to be a child? And I know if you do that exercise of trying to remember what it was like to be a child, I know that that'll bring up some really cool stuff in your memory, and it'll also bring up some not-so-cool stuff. If you think back to what it was like to be a child, there'll be some good things that emerge in your mind and some not-so-good things, but I wonder if you can remember a time where you felt carefree, where you, you really didn't have to worry you really could just play and laugh and explore and not think about anything or anyone. You just kind of existed. Sucked a lollipop, right? Life was good. Something changes, right, over time. And we have certain experiences as we mature that change us. And some of those experiences are really good experiences. Like the first time you're at a campfire and you see flames, right? It's super cool as a little kid to look at something burning and to stare and see all the colors and the sparks and to reach out and touch it, right? And go, wow, that's hot. That's a really good experience for a child to learn that something beautiful like a campfire can't be played with. That's a good experience that grows you up. But there are some not good experiences, some shameful things, some sinful things that happen to all of us as we age that also teaches us lessons. 
that the people that we love the most, why do they hurt me too? Someone I trust that's supposed to do this does the exact opposite. They do that. And these sinful, shameful experiences where people we trust, people we love, let us down, they disappoint us, they confuse us, and it causes us to learn and to experience things different. And over time, we lose some of that childlike innocence. It changes how we think. And it can help or cause us to get trapped in overthinking everything because people have hurt us. People have let us down. We're scared. So we try to protect from that. And we overthink and overthink and overthink all kinds of situations and relationships, and certainly that can cause us to overthink our relationship with God. How could God be good and let evil happen? How could God be good when I've done so many shameful things? How could God love me if so many shameful things have happened to me? How could God have a plan and a purpose for my life when I can't see him or hear him? How can a Bible that's ancient be relevant for me today? We've lost childlike wonder, childlike joy, childlike faith, and we get stuck. We get stuck in over-sophisticated adult thinking about everything. Don't let kids go near Jesus. He's too busy, too important. Don't believe in God you can't see. There's no way there's right and wrong. I'll listen to my feelings, my culture, but I'm not listening to God or the Bible or his promises. We're stuck. We're bound up. You see, caught between overthinking and underthinking, Jesus says the answer is to think, but he gets a little more specific. He says, here's actually the answer. The answer is to think like a child. That maybe, just maybe, the answer isn't just to think, but it's like, wait, I struggle with overthinking and I struggle with underthinking. Maybe it's returning to something I've known before, that there's a place for me to actually think like a child. And in our world, that's hard because if you say to someone, you're so childlike in your thinking, that's an insult, right? But maybe in this upside down kingdom where God is trying to restore all things to his original purpose, maybe it's to be more childlike is actually the path out, and here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying check your brain at the door. We need science. We need logic. We need intellect. We need rationale. All of that. We have to use these brains in every way. But do you know that these brains are finite and we're living in an infinite world? So, so take your science all the way. Take your intellect all the way. Take your information all the way. Take your choices all the way. And at some point, your choices land at your finite and there is an infinite world you're living in. And what do you do then? Think like a child. When you're stuck, when you get to the end of yourself, when you're cycling in the same overthinking over and over again, the same anxiety, the same fear, the same, I've tried to figure this out, I tried to solve this, I've tried to make something happen and it's not working, what do you do? Jesus says, the path of freedom, think like a child. 
Go back to something simple and something basic where you recognize that your finite mind is not going to lead you out of this infinitely complex situation, but your God can. Think like a child. And you might ask the question like, well, how the heck do I do that? How do I think like a child? If you have your Bibles, turn back to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus in a very familiar passage, similar passage to this, is going to give us sort of a prescription of how to think like a child again. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Imagine a group of people together and they'll ask Jesus, the smart guy, who's the greatest? Like, it's kind of a childish question, right? Is that like, is your dad bigger than my dad? Is my dad stronger than you? Like, right? It's kind of like, a, who's the greatest question? Could be very childish, but it's also pretty sophisticated in some ways. Well, Jesus, trying to sort out this whole kingdom you've got going on here, What's the pecking order, right, in this kingdom? And what does Jesus do? He calls a little child to him and placed the child among them in the group and said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And here Jesus is giving us a pathway. He's teaching us something. He says, unless you change and become like a child, not only won't you receive the kingdom of God, but you can't be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And here's like the dumb question I ask, like, God, I'm 46 years old. How can I change with all that I've seen and all that I know? How can I change this and become like a little child? It's not possible. I can't change this and become like a child. So I think what Jesus is saying is what you can't do, I can do for you. Stop overthinking and start praying for childlike faith. When you're caught in that space where your finite mind can't solve it, you have a choice what to do. And my encouragement to you, what I've learned and what's helpful to me is I start to pray that I would have faith. God, your word says if I hold to your teaching, I'm really your disciple, and then I'll know the truth, and the truth will set me free. And you're telling me the path to freedom is to think like a child, so my mind doesn't work that way. God, would you give me faith like a child? I'm stuck. I'm bound up. I can't solve this. I can't fix it. I need you to give me childlike faith. And I love wherever in the Bible God commands you to do something, he will always empower it if you ask him for it. He's never gonna ask you to do something he won't help you do. And so when he says, become like a child, I can't do that. God, you gotta help me. So I'm going around and around and around and around trying to solve this and I can't, I'm overthinking my decisions and I'm worried and afraid of what's gonna happen if I do this, I'm worried and afraid of what if I do that. God, give me childlike faith to trust you with whatever the outcome of this decision is. I trust you, it's in your hands. Give me faith. God, I'm so nervous about my future. I'm so nervous about the people I love and their future. 
I, I don't know how it's all gonna come together. I don't know what's gonna happen with this person or that person, this son, this daughter, this aunt, this uncle, this relationship. I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. God, give me childlike faith to believe that you'll never leave me or forsake me, that you'll always walk with me, that you'll provide for me what I need in my daily bread, that you'll never leave me alone. You'll always stick with me and you always promise that you're doing good things even when I can't see it. Give me childlike faith to believe. God, I'm overthinking this because someone hurt me. Someone hurt me really bad. And your word says that I'm supposed to forgive them. I can't forgive that dirtbag. God, give me childlike faith to believe that what you're calling me to do is forgive. And I can't trust that person, but I can forgive that person if you give me that ability. Give me childlike faith to forgive and not keep a record of wrong. You see, when I take what God commands me to do and I ask him for help to do it, he applies his spirit to me and gives me the strength to do what I can't do, to think and act and trust like a child. He promises he'll do that for us. Jesus continues to give good advice in verse five. He says, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes a child welcomes me. I don't really fully know what that means. Like welcoming children is welcoming Jesus. Okay, what does that mean? I don't know. Luke chapter 18 says the children, the kingdom belongs to children. Matthew chapter 18 says, if you welcome me, children, you welcome me. There's something about children and the presence of God that's connected. Something about that. And so maybe one of the things that, that would help us get unstuck is stop overthinking by spending time with children and childlike people. Like maybe we've become so adult. We've become so sophisticated. We've surrounded ourselves with such rational people, so scientific, so logical, that we've lost sight of what it's like to be a child and to welcome children and to love children. And so maybe it's like you're a parent or a grandparent of a little child and you're wishing away their diapers. I get it, wish them away. But there's something about spending time with children that helps you to stay young, that gives you ways to think and remind it of things that are important. Don't wish away those years. They go away soon enough. Spend time with children. Maybe it's, it's working with kids here at church or working with teens or joining a boys club or a girls club to help a child, putting yourself in proximity to kids because by doing that, the kingdom is there and when you welcome kids, you welcome Jesus. There's something about that that's special, that being with kids and connected to kids has a way of helping you not overthink everything. Maybe it's looking at spending time with people who are childlike. Again, we hang out with so many adults, right? So many sophisticated people. I have a couple friends that help me to be childlike. I, this guy in my past who builds walls for a living, his job is to build stone walls out of natural rock. And when I spent a day with him, he would take up, pick up a rock and he would pray over every rock. I'm like, bro, are you gonna do this all day? It's like, here's this rock. And he's, it's like a jigsaw puzzle to him. He's like, God, show me where to put this rock. I mean, it's a freaking rock. Like, wait, what are you giving me? And yet he makes award-winning, beautiful stone walls because he prays over every rock. Maybe, just maybe, I would learn to trust God more and stop overthinking. If everything I picked up, I said, God, what do you want me to do with this? 
And I actually believed and trusted he would show me because he's real and good and faithful and kind. I have another friend who actually believes God hears our prayers and it's a full body experience to pray with this guy. His hands are open, his eyes are open, he's jumping up and down, left and right. He's doing all kinds of things because he actually believes God sees his worship, believes his worship, believes his prayers. And so it's this full body experience. I'm looking around going, you know, God's not there. And I'm going, I shouldn't say that. God's here. He sees him, I don't. But being around him helps me to go, wow, God, you're real. I have another friend who every time she greets me, she greets me like she's never seen me before, right? She just throws her arms around me and she asks the same one or two questions every time I see her. And if I see her an hour later, she'll do the same. There's something so simple that she rejoices over just seeing someone she loves and there's nothing held back. She just wraps her arms around me and asks me the same two questions every time I see her three times a day. You know what that does? It reminds me of the innocence of rejoicing over people and not being so adult that I see you once a month and I'm like, hey, you're a soul that will never die, precious to God, and yet I, I can't embrace you? Like Maybe we've become so adult, so adult that we're fixated on adult entertainment, and so we binge watch the kingdom of darkness and we wonder why we're stuck in darkness. We watch all kinds of adult entertainment, and I'm not just talking about sexual things, all the things that say MA and PG-13 and rated R and TV mature, and we wonder when we're binge-watching darkness why we're caught in the cycle of overthinking. Instead of maybe, just maybe, God's going, hey, how about try something G-rated? Your soul will be better for it. Maybe that National Geographic channel where you could see with wonder again the beauty of a lion or a landscape, the beauty of something intricate and wonderful that your eyes of wonder might open up again instead of being so adult, so sophisticated, so scientific that you only look at adult things and you wonder why you're overthinking and caught. Maybe it's time to read a fairy tale again something beautiful and simple and innocent to get your creativity going and going. The God of the universe writes beautiful stories that are fairy tales to some, but I know who the real hero is and he's coming to rescue all of us and I wanna cultivate that imagination and that beauty, but I'm so sophisticated and so scientific that I've scrubbed my world of anything childlike or pure or innocent, and then I wonder why I'm overthinking everything. The God of the universe has come to me like a child. So maybe, are you stuck overthinking because you're unwilling to obey Jesus' command to be childlike. It's not a suggestion. It's a divine king who knows his sons and daughters and says the path to freedom is yes, science. Yes, use your mind. Yes, don't check your brain at the door. Yes, think, but think like child again, and maybe, just maybe, you'll get unstuck. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for loving us like children and being patient with us. Thank you for Jesus coming as this gentle king who welcomed children 
because inside all of us are just scared children who want to be filled with wonder, want to use our brains, want to create good things, want to do good in the world, want to make beautiful art, want to laugh and celebrate because of things that have been done to us and things that we've experienced, many of us feel like we've lost all sense of innocence and purity. You're inviting us back to childlike wonder and faith. You're inviting us back to simpler things that yes, use our brains, but at the end of our finite minds, may we think like children and rejoice like children and laugh like children and embrace like children and sing like children and serve like children. Help us to get unstuck of our over-sophistication and our familiarity with the kingdom of darkness that we might rejoice in the kingdom of light and love. Pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.